0: Welcome to the Safeguarding Podcast. In each episode we'll discuss a different safeguarding topic with a range of expert speakers. Please be aware some of this content is sensitive and listener discretion is advised. Hello and welcome to the Safeguarding Podcast. I am Vicky Chafe. I am Head of Community and Partnership Relations at the Safeguarding Company, and I am delighted to be your host today. In today's episode, we're going to be talking about mental health and well-being and the role of AI. I am so happy to introduce today's guest, John Ford, founder and CEO of Life on Time. John, can you please introduce yourself?
1: Hi, Vicky. Uh, thanks for getting us on the podcast. Yeah, I'm John, I'm uh, co-founder, co-creator of UHQ. Um, so the business is actually Life on Time Limited, but our product uh, name is UHQ and we've developed a wellbeing product to try and help support not only schools, but their students uh, and help them pick up on uh, kids that maybe are struggling and given the tools to be able to thrive. So, yeah, really uh, interested to sort of jump on the podcast and sort of talk to you about our experiences going out visiting schools at the moment and how potentially AI could assist uh, maybe schools in the future um, with the well-being and mental health issues that they may be facing.
0: Fantastic. This is, this is another conversation that is very close to my heart. I am a safeguarding governor of a, of a school. I've, I was previously one at a primary school. I'm one at a secondary school at the moment. And one of the issues that we're facing is the spike in self-harm as well so it'll be really good to have this conversation about how we can can support around well-being and mental health. So first question that I want to ask you is tell us about the role that UHQ plays in schools currently.
1: Yeah so what we've done or what we've done over the last sort of two three years is we've created a platform that allows schools to be able to give student voice um, or get student voice and capture it uh, um, so it allows kids to self-reflect, say how they're feeling, uh, which can uh, come as an alert to teachers uh, as an email alert to be able to alert them of any children that maybe are struggling. So that's one of the key features. Uh, sort of when we ask schools now that are using UHQ, what the, sort of the key, what the best bits are, uh, it's allowing them to pick up on those kids that they may not be aware of. So that's one of them, but we're far more than just sort of a wellbeing tracker. Uh, We've got lots of resources on there to be able to actually support the kids if they are are struggling. Uh, It also gives wellbeing resources to teachers. So we're more of a pastoral hub with lots of multifunctional features to be able to support schools with all their wellbeing and mental health uh, needs. But yeah, I guess where the safeguarding side of it comes into it, from UHQ is and where it integrates uh, with my concern is it allows um, schools and uh, sort of DSL's wellbeing leads to be able to sort of track and monitor wellbeing and pick up on any of those concerns and give students that opportunity to be to be able to reach out.
0: Absolutely. And we had a conversation last week, didn't we, about the fact that we we really value partnerships that we have and having that frictionless process so that the person who needs to know about those safeguarding concerns i.e. the DSL in this instance, um, finds out about those concerns instantly. And having those integrations makes that process much more quick, much more quick, much more smooth, and makes sure that the the DSL or whomever is in charge of safeguarding um, gets to those concerns quickly.
1: Yeah, exactly right. I mean, that's what we're finding. And when we say, obviously, around our safeguarding integrations, um that's one of the real key selling points because, yes, schools want to be aware, they want to have that data to be able to pick up on the kids, they want to give them the opportunity to be able to reach out if they are struggling, um, but they also don't want to sort of double the workload um, if they're running sort of safeguarding systems. So yeah, our sort of being able to integrate and for the for them to be able to, for staff to be able to put it straight into, into their safeguarding platform is, is really, really useful.
0: And from from my point of view as a a previous teacher, um, it's great to have those systems in place that do give you those highlights as to what's going on with your children. But actually to tell you how you can support them is that next step as well, which sometimes it's, it's great that you have them, but sometimes that's all the information that you're given and then you have to think, right, well, where do I go from here? So it's great to be able to have all that in, in one place.
1: Yeah, so that's what we're finding. And when we first created the platform, um, it was very much just a sort of a hub for them to be able to search for their own resources to help themselves. Uh, but what we've now uh, developed is uh, within the tracking is, yes, they can say how they're feeling and reach out. But also we're trying to give them the tools on the platform to be able to help themselves. So we're just hearing up and down the country and around the world um, with some of our schools internationally that um, they just there's just so uh, they've got so much to be doing. There's so, many, so much more incidents of issues that actually schools are scared of sometimes having this well-being monitoring or tracking because they don't know necessarily how to deal with the results that are going to come out of it so the integration is really important but also being able to have the features where uh, when they record a low mood or they record that their anxiety is high that the, the pla- there's something there digitally to be able to support them in their own space and this is what we're finding we're just finding that kids are more comfortable reaching out uh, on a, on a platform like ours rather than necessarily speaking up in a classroom, um, which saddens me to some some extent. But unfortunately, I think the genie's out of the bottle on um, whether you believe it's right that they should be communicating through the digital platform. Uh, so yeah, so that's one of the one of the things that we're trying to work on continually is to be able to take the stress off the DSL, off the wellbeing leads and hopefully be able to help the kids on, our, on, on the platform. That said, I think it's really important that we still have the ability where there is a human contact, um, and the human contact uh, is there between uh, when a child says that there's a low mood alert uh, or says they're not feeling good. Uh, so that's what we think is really, really important.
0: Absolutely. Um, when you were talking about uh, some, some people feel a certain type of way of having children reporting concerns through a digital platform as opposed to going and speaking to somebody, um, I worked in an area that children found it incredibly difficult to talk about how they were feeling most of the time because they didn't really understand it and um, And I had created a a box for children to write their their names and anything that worries. We used to call them a worry box, Um, and essentially, it's it's doing that, but just on a digital platform as opposed to as opposed to on a piece of paper in a box.
1: Exactly, exactly right. And I think uh, that this is the key thing that we're not trying to take away that personal element, that intuition. Uh, that, that a teacher has uh, in the classroom so that obviously builds in to everything what we're trying to do is just give that extra avenue for those kids that may not be confident enough to be able to actually reach out and the whole thing as well is the digital side so you can record it so you can actually start mm-hmm. picking up on trends and our platform can help you pick up on trends across the school across the year groups across smaller focus groups of actually what's what's affecting their mood and it and what we're finding is that you're it's actually there's trends across uh the schools that are very similar and rather than you guessing like okay we think there's an issue with this there is actually a specific um there is a there is actually something you can pinpoint and then you can act on it so sleep is something that we're seeing across all our schools as a real issue uh for low mood and and, and also good moods and high moods. So, so what we're set what schools can now do is actually have a, a, a set assembly around sleep, or they can inform their strategy moving forward around sleep. So, it's far more than just you know highlighting an issue, which obviously is really important that kids have that. It's actually trying to build strategy and build tools and resources to be able to support um, the mental health leads, the pastoral leads, who we know are so busy. Um, and actually inform their strategy
0: absolutely and for me that really resonates because I'm passionate about being a proactive safeguarder and that's exactly the same thing that you're talking about it's using that data to inform CPD of training of staff or putting things in place to support the children I'm a huge advocate of supporting children to support themselves as well because we can't be there 24 7 but unless we've got the data to analyze where those trends are then we're not able then to put those strategies in in place and it's that whole strategic safeguarding the being proactive and that's taking that safeguarding to that next level and and that's exactly what you're talking about here so that you're not just firefighting anymore
1: yeah yeah exactly right and and yeah, I think the thing is, what we're it's about prevention, isn't it? I think you don't want to get the issue to become yeah. so so severe that actually you're then having a lot of time in meetings and that type of stuff. So if you can, if we can try and nip the, in the bud, it may only seem like a low level concern at the beginning, but at least you're uh, you're jumping in. I mean, we've got a first-hand experience now with lots of different uh, case studies and stories coming out of schools using UHQ where. It may potentially not seem a huge issue, but a low mood, a, a child will log in and register a, a low mood and the they may have already been behaving badly or there might be some type of issue. But it makes the tutor then obviously check in with that child and then they've got an intervention in place and it might be something really simple, but that then has affected that child's behaviour. So what we're also hearing across the board is behaviour has been really challenging in secondary schools, especially Um, And, yeah, we're we're seeing that actually, you know, there are potentially things um, around the mental health and well-being of the child that may be causing that behaviour. So rather than maybe going down the traditional behavioural route, um, we're thinking what we're finding is actually mood and well-being. And if we can intervene and put something in place, um, that can really help.
0: Absolutely, and lockdown still got a lot to, to answer for in that in that respect, hasn't it? Certainly, when you're talking about secondary schools, something that that we found um, is that, and other DSLs that I've been speaking to as well, is that our year rates are really struggling. Now, those year rates are the ones that miss their rites of passage if you will as they moved from primary school into secondary school so all of the behavior it's it's very immature it's it's um their their mental health really they really struggle they really struggle with those friendship groups as well so having something that you can analyze that data to to track those trends and then have the resources then to support that it's just it's so important
1: that's really interesting you say year eight because i was at a year eight um Launch And there was, I had to speak to a year group of sevens, eights and nines. And the year eights were, it was unbelievable, to be honest, compared to the year sevens and year nines. And they they knew yeah. that there was an issue. And you saying that actually makes you think, actually, that must be across the board, rather than just a, a coincidence
0: it's yeah. it's got to be has it and everybody yeah. that I speak to they all say that it's it's that year rate that they have all of the the most of the behavior in fact all of the exclusions that we did over the past exclusions and suspensions that we did over the autumn term 90% of them were year eights
1: yeah that's uh, it's incredible isn't it I mean and and I suppose that is down to it's got to be a covid related thing
0: yeah absolutely Moving on to AI now, what impact will the AI trend have or is having on the industry?
1: So I don't think it necessarily has a huge impact on on school-based applications because I know that we're in a sort of a growing market. There's not many uh, other sort of platforms that are doing what we're doing. Uh, there are a few, but there's, there's not a huge amount. I think if you look, I guess where we need to look is maybe to the general public and uh, general pop type apps that are the mental health apps and what they're doing. And, you know, we've been looking at that with curiosity, I would say, at the moment, rather than having any uh, hard plans of building AI into UHQ. But what we're seeing is there is a a fundamentally a lack of resource, as in therapists, counsellors, people to deal with uh, and help these people that are struggling with their mental health. Um, and because of that, and, and, it, and it's almost the, the speed at which people are, uh, the mental health issues are increasing versus the level of people getting into training, becoming a trained therapist or uh, the NHS is funding behind that. It's just not going to match up. So actually to be able to be able to cope and make an impact we're just looking at and I think this is where AI potentially can help um, and just better tech really in being able to support people at a lower level so triaging people maybe dealing with people that are or dealing with issues which maybe can be sort of nipped in the bud um, rather than Mm -hmm. uh, becoming sort of a really severe mental illness uh, which then needs counselling so yeah it's a really interesting area it's quite scary and I think everybody probably everybody I speak to thinks exactly the same, that actually, you know, where we are today um, and where we're going to be in sort of five years' time, I can't imagine that we won't be using it. Um, And what I see from, uh, there's some people that are, there's a lot of funding and a lot of really good research that actually it can really help. So there is a platform out there that, and a lot of NHS current uh, uh, therapy work for the general pop is based around text services so you may mm-hmm. be able to get sessions with a therapist but it will be over text message um, which has been proven to help and what some of the ai that i'm hearing about is working is it's not necessarily communicating with the person or the uh, the client it's actually just informing the counselor on how to respond uh, to the to the client so for example if somebody comes on and says that you know the uh, texts in in a, in text format. I'm struggling with anxiety over something um, that the AI will read all the other responses that has been that have been successful and recommend the counselor of what to say. And they're doing studies based on you know somebody who starts therapy to finishing ther- therapy and what's the most successful sort of text to use. So these are the things that is I find really interesting, um, but yeah the the actual having a uh, machine support a young person in a school without a person is something that's definitely not um, I can't see that I can't see that happening but I can definitely see how we can get certain things done uh, that can save some time which will give more time to a teacher or to a safeguarding lead with face to face with that student so it's taking maybe some of the admin away Uh, And that's what we're focusing on, maybe the reporting side of stuff Uh, and being able to automate reports. So you're getting better insights, better content to be able to support. So exactly what you said right from the beginning was, okay. I've got these 10 children that have registered low mood. What the hell do I do? (laughs) Um, And yeah, we're going to our data is now going to show them, show you hopefully exactly how they're feeling so you get better insight in exactly what they're feeling before you go into that conversation and maybe you have in your toolkit some resources to be able to show them so you may be able to support them um just by stuff that's been created or uh, resources that's been created and data that's been created by uhq and by by what they've put in
0: so for somebody who doesn't know a huge amount about ai um would you say that for example it could be used the way that it's used at the moment in the nhs by when people ring 111 because i think that that's when when you were saying that they listen to the answers that you give and then they're told by the ai what they need to ask next do you think that's possibly how we could be used it within schools
1: i i think possibly yeah in the long run i i still because it, um you because it's children, I think it's different. So with adults, you know they give the consent. With a school, it's very much the consent and the data protection around children is far, far uh, stronger um, and rightly so. So I, I think yeah. we're probably quite a way away from that still, um, from a from a child's perspective. But yes, I again looking in five ten years time, you know where AI is going to be, and also looking at you know schools resources. I mean, if school was if, if I if I was going into schools now, and I was seeing that the mental, there wasn't really much mental health issue out there, and there was lots of resources and they each school had their own two dedicated counselors, and you know the, the funding was there for that, and there was funding for a full time mental health lead that didn't have to teach as well. You know, if I was going into school seeing that, then I would say actually we don't need any support. But what I'm doing, what I what I'm seeing firsthand, and you know, I've not been in education, but I go in and and I've I've come from a business background and I go in and just see a completely unresourced or not, not all of the time. So I'm sort of taking the average here, but uh, especially state schools, state secondary schools, I'm just seeing there is a, there's a real shortage of uh, resource to be able to support young people's mental health and also teachers' mental health. So yeah, that's the reason why I would say if they, if the government can't afford to be able to pay for councillors or for cams to be have you know doubled it double its capacity which you know we can't see that happening then mm-hmm. where does tech fit in can tech help and yeah as i say i'm curious at the moment rather than thinking or planning that we're going to build it in but i'm just extremely curious to find out uh, and we're investigating you know what the best ways are what what is actually a safe way to do it because obviously you don't want to it's very easy with mental health and wellbeing. You, if you, you you can make somebody's problem a lot worse, um, by giving them the wrong advice. Um, and we've got clinical psychologists as our, uh, wellbeing director, um, at UHQ and yeah, he's, he's very much on this and advising us on, on what we need to do. So yeah, we just got to be really, really clear on what we do, but it's just extremely frustrating, which I can imagine, you know, some of the, listeners to this podcast are probably feeling it's extremely frustrating that you know you're finding out that there's lots of issues but potentially there's there's a real issue in how you can deal with them and doctors are prescribing um, kids to go back or uh, uh, recommending uh, children and parents to go back to their school to get support at their school and the school don't have any any way of doing that so yeah it's just really frustrating
0: and you know it's it's interesting that you should say that because we we've just done another a podcast around consent and we were talking to dr emily Setti about the fact that teachers are expected to have these conversations that they have no training for that they have no support for that could actually be quite triggering for themselves as well and that's exactly what you're saying from a mental health and well-being you know as, as educators we're expected to not only teach our children but we're expected to help them grow as as humans and you know how to to be in society and and be mentally healthy but we just don't have the resources the time the the training for us to be able to do that
1: yeah, exactly right, and I and I think that's what uh, my co-founder, who was a teacher, echoes in that you know, all newly qualified teachers should have a whole segment of their training on mental health and wellbeing. If they're now being, re- if they're now responsible for it, which I guess they are, that you know, it's it's even more so. Then why sh- why should they not be trained on that? So it just yeah, it just seems ludicrous that they're not. And I know the government have like during COVID they did put money in and they did you know there is training there is there was some funding, but. Yeah, to me, it's just it's, it's almost like, um, yeah, it's just nowhere near enough um, for what the problem is at the moment.
0: Absolutely. Is there a preferred combination of softwares and technologies you think that schools should adopt to support their total safeguarding and ensuring that mental health and well-being of pupils and staff
1: yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I'm, I'm obviously going to say yes to that question. Yeah, uh, I think, the, I think the, <laughs> as we uh, do. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think um, definitely. I think the the key thing here is is getting is combining the two. So obviously, the recording and of safeguarding, you know, is is well uh, established now. You know, you've got, rather than writing it down in a, on a bit of paper and sticking it in a filing cabinet, this has got to be the best way of doing it and. I know that the systems that you run you know they, they can link in with other services so you're picking up a whole a fuller picture of that child and I think where what the next step is being able to match that and marry that with your other systems such as you know well-being trackers um, and behavior trackers and this type of stuff so you can get a holistic whole view of, of that child so you can pick up on uh, things early and I think that's the whole thing is it's all about picking stuff up on Picking stuff up early um, and getting early intervention in there, whether that's mental illness, whether that's behaviour, whether that's um, health things. You know, I think that's the key. And I think that's where sort of our platform, your platform can really help um, help schools not only help their kids, but hopefully save time. I know time like we keep talking about and, you know, it's all about time. You know, they don't, you know, teachers don't get asked to do more, giving them another platform, another login, um, especially after COVID, all this sort of stuff. But what we're really trying to do is just make it really easy. So teachers don't even have to log into our platform. They'll just get an email notification. They get email reports. Um, They obviously, you know, we want them to go in. Um, And we've also created a a wellbeing section for teachers. So, you know, we're we're trying to hit, we're trying to create, uh, like I say, it's a pastoral hub that hopefully schools can use um, and integrate with their safeguarding systems.
0: Absolutely, and I am sure that our listeners will be sick of hearing me say this, but it's the whole safeguarding context and the whole safeguarding culture. We can't be working in silos. We're only one piece of that child's puzzle. And looking at their safeguarding concerns, you have to look at any mental health and wellbeing concerns that there are. You need to have a look at their behaviour tracker. And that all needs to come together just as you need to speak to their football coach or their after school club organisers or anybody that has a significant role within that child's life it's all about putting those pieces together to get that full picture and and every serious case review that you read one of the main things that it comes out and says is that is that people didn't talk to each other and different sectors didn't talk to each other and we need to make sure that we are highlighting that hey, not only do we need to talk to each other, but we need to work together as well because we all hold important information around that child.
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and it's interesting you're talking about the football club, you know, so we're st- we are talking to sports clubs now as well. So, you, you know, how it all interlinks. Um, and we on the I coach a girls' football team, and yeah, it's uh, obviously, we, we you see you see these people, you have lots of different touch points, obviously, where where people are seeing them and you know if there's an issue it's just really important to be able to jump in there and and we I mean safeguarding unfortunately we always talk about like those horrible scenarios we're all scared of the worst case and that's what we are protecting but from a positive perspective we're far more than just this tracker we're trying to actually give the kids the skills to be able to look after themselves we've got goal setting in there personal development tools like CBT type tools so so we're trying to give them the skills, the skills to live that fulfilling, successful, meaningful life. Rather than, you know, when when people are talking about safeguarding, you know, they sometimes, sometimes think of that worst thing. So we're trying to do the other side of it as well. So we're trying to actually, if there is a child that's struggling, there is support on there for them to be able to sort of learn those skills. So yeah, I I, t- I try and the, our motivation behind the platform is very much around trying to give the, uh, give the whole school those tools to be able to thrive. Um, So, yeah, rather than trying to just pick up on those kids that are struggling, which unfortunately is always, um, it comes back as one of the key features. But, you know, there is obviously lots of other stuff to it.
0: Of course there is. I could talk about this all day. (laughs) 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 <laughs> <So you're here. laughs> it's, it's just something that is it's so important and I think as adults we we struggle with our own mental health and I think that we struggle to talk about it and certainly our age group I think that we're we're more open to talking about it now whereas previous generations you know it was very much a taboo subject and and we find it hard to navigate ourselves around our own mental health so putting that put yourself in that child's position where they've also got the hormones they've got the the life constraints that they've got as well it just must be really really difficult so to be able to give them those resources to try and help themselves it's just so important
1: yeah and and also the opportunity I just think of from when I was a I'm 42 years old so when I was at school it wasn't there was no mobile app social media like it was like if you had a problem you would go and talk to somebody wouldn't you or you knew you had to go and talk to somebody where now i think they're just so much more used to just talking communicating through whatsapp all the different apps they've got out there you know they're not used to doing that and although we need to encourage them to do that so we're definitely not trying to get them to not do that but we're just giving them that opportunity so um, yeah, I think that's just well, that's one of the key, key reasons why, you know, our new versions coming out, we've just really made our sort of mood checking so much more sophisticated now that it will, a, will be able to um, pick up on their emotions and be able to hopefully show them resources which will match what they need to see to be able to help themselves. So, yeah. But, yeah, I, I like you could talk about this forever or not ever, but for, for a long time because this is all I do. Yes.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it's just so important. And, do you know, I can't thank you enough for joining me today on, on our podcast. Um, we have show notes as well. Is there a link that you can send to us for any of our listeners if they want to find out more or if they want to contact you about anything?
1: Yeah, yeah. Please visit our website. It's uhhq.co.uk. Um, uh, that's y o u h q.co.uk. Um, there's a you can try it for free. We've got a demo uh, site, which yeah, there's no um, there's there's no cost. You can just jump on there. Uh, we can send you the link, and you can have a play around with it. Um, and then yeah, if you want to proceed, um, let us know
0: that's fantastic thank you so much for your time john and listeners as ever if you want to carry on the conversation please come and join us and the safeguarding community share your own well-being practices um, or any thoughts that you have on the conversations that we've been having today again thank you john for joining me today and thank you everybody else for listening and until next time please keep yourself safe goodbye thank you for listening to the safeguarding podcast For resources and more information about our safeguarding solutions, please visit thesafeguardingcompany.com. And don't forget, if you've enjoyed this episode, subscribe and feel free to rate us using whichever podcast provider you use.